Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just fitness and nutrition. I am your host, Cody McBroom, and with me I have my co-host, Travis McQueen. What up, dude? Here we go. New intro. (laughs) One take Jake. That felt good, man. That felt official. Yeah. I want it to feel like a radio show. That's my ultimate In the broadcast booth. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, motivated me to, I was watching Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory. Have you seen that? He, uh, he, it, I don't even actually know if it's on iTunes because it's only, I always watch on YouTube when I'm eating lunch and shit, but he literally built a fucking studio and he has people who can buy tickets and come watch live and he interviews people. Whoa. Like a podcast. Yeah. But they're just sitting there and they're doing their thing and it's like this whole setup. Just like people from the community? Uh, yeah. I don't know how you get a ticket. Oh. I have no idea if it's like, uh, like an insider saying, I don't know if it's 10 people or if it's 50. I have no idea. Wow. I'm just like, I know it's like a live thing. What an and idea. Yeah. It looks like, uh, I mean, like <laughs> Oprah's the only one I can think of, but like a show, yeah. you know, but like on a Naughty small is. scale. Yeah. And it's dope because Tom Billy is from Tacoma. I don't know if you knew that, but and he's the dude that created Quest Bars, the most popular protein bar in the world. Wow. He invented Quest Bars <laughs> and then he sold the company, started oh, okay. Impact Theory, and now he's doing just basically like motivational stuff. And Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Quests are huge. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to a podcast on short story, long dramas podcast, which I don't think he does anymore, but he was interviewing him and, uh, drama was was or drama was interviewing Tom. Okay. And he was asking about like his childhood, how he became successful and blah, blah. And he was like, well, I grew up where there wasn't a lot of success and I wanted to get out of that blah, blah. And he mentioned the Tacoma aroma. He was like, I lived in a smelly city mm-hmm. and called it Tacoma Roma. And I was like, what the fuck? That's crazy. You know you're that's from Tacoma. How, that's if you know how that. you found out that he lived in Tacoma? Yeah. Nice. And he's really from there if he knows about Tacoma Roma. Yeah, absolutely. Because Tacoma stinks. Yeah. So you could almost smell that from our high school sometimes. Yeah. Shit was bad. If you get close to the port and everything. For sure. You know, oh, yeah. Ugh. Down to the. Like what, going over the bridge. What do they call that? Yeah, the port of Tacoma. Yeah, city center. Yeah. That shit is just reeks. Especially time. It depends Ship, on the time. Like ship, shipyard. Shipyards. Justin so. calls it something else because they live down by Dash Point, like on that side of the. Yeah. Um, it's where they do. They have those big cranes yeah. and they're taking yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That's the containers really off of. Yeah. That's that's the Port of Tacoma. Yeah. Yeah. My dad works right there. So mm. his, like at his office it's and everything. Just, yeah. Constantly <laughs> smelling that. Well, we're going to do a little bit different style of Q&A today. Well, not a different style, but we're going to take uh, questions from the Facebook group from the Taylor Life Challenge that's going on right now. We got a lot of different questions that uh, when Cody posted, so we just want to answer these. Well, shall I say Cody wants to answer these. Um, so You'll probably be able to chime in, too, because yeah. you're doing the challenge. Yep. I, I'm assuming some of them are about Maybe. things we're doing, yeah. hopefully. But All right, so we'll start with the first one. Um, first one comes from... Casey Lewandowski. As someone who wants to look good but also loves lifting heavy and hitting new strength PRs, how do you balance aesthetic goals with performance goals? Performance bodybuilding. Mm. That's like that's why we created it. It's funny because that, that was the page I was building today. Yeah. So um, uh, as you're listening to this, it won't be live yet, but... The first week of June, we'll probably launch it on Monday because Mondays are always good for launches. The first Monday of June, we will be launching the Performance Bodybuilding ebook. So it is basically taking exactly what you're saying and putting it into a guide, right? How do you program? What exercise to choose? What do the splits look like? How do you do conditioning and metabolic work? Um, how much bodybuilding versus how much performance and strength and powerlifting? And how do we blend all that without overtraining and, and still progressing in both areas? Because obviously we have to remember too, if we're focused on strength and aesthetics, we're not going to reach our maximal potential in either one like we would if we were just doing aesthetic training like bodybuilding, right? You're probably going to build more muscle just doing bodybuilding, and you're probably going to get more strength by just powerlifting. Mm. But there's a lot of people who care equally about both, and you can still make a lot of progress in both, especially because they aid each other, right? If you're a powerlifter, you're going to mainly be doing strength-based work, but every once in a while you have to incorporate hypertrophy block or hypertrophy accessories because for lack of scientific terms a bigger muscle is a stronger muscle in other words you potentiate strength better if you have more muscle and better activation of that muscle and in the same hypertrophy training you're going to run into a plateau where you can't do more volume or you can't push past a certain limit due to neurological strength abilities so you have to incorporate some strength training or do a strength block for sure so you can go kind of 50 50 i think the best way is to go like 
one-third strength, two-thirds bodybuilding when we look at what you're doing throughout the week only because bodybuilding requires more volume and strength requires more intensity. So even if we have the same emphasis placed, you're going to be doing more bodybuilding work regardless because you're doing less strength, but it's heavier and you're doing more bodybuilding, but it's lighter, right? So you can do more volume with less fatigue essentially. So it ends up looking about like a one third, two third split. But this is, I mean, this is the goal of 90% of people that work with us, right? Like they're, they want to move better, feel better, be stronger. They want to feel like an athletic version of themselves. Either they were an athlete and they remember how that feels. They want to be an athlete or they're just an everyday person who's like, I don't want joint pain. I want to have energy. I want to be stronger. That's an athlete. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the best way to train to be like an athlete, but actually look like you lift, which is everybody's goal as well, is to focus on explosive movements. So there's like a few categories. One, obviously, I'm not going to go in detail on this part because it's very individual. It could be a whole podcast, but dynamic warm-up, mobility, soft tissue work. Like you got to take care of yourself or else you're not going to be able to do anything. After that, you have to incorporate some kind of explosive work because if you're not being explosive, you're not training your nervous system enough, which for one is going to lead to more power and strength development, but two, it's going to help prevent injuries because your reaction time improves. One of the leading causes of death and elderly is falling and breaking your hip. Break your hip at a really old age, you're done. Yeah. So how do we improve that? I mean, you could work on balance and stability and shit to make, maybe make them not fall, but it's better to just teach them how to catch themselves if they fall, right? How do they react quick enough to put their arm down and stop the fall? Maybe break their wrist instead of their hip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like realistically, we do explosive work. So jam ball throws, jam ball slams, speed squats, like things that like, I know you're not going to hurt yourself, right? The only way you can hurt yourself with that uh, which I've done <laughs> is slamming a med ball instead of a, like a sand filled ball and it bounces up and hits you in the face. Ouch. Not fun, but use a sand one. Yeah. Basically. Um, CJ did that with, uh, the big one the other day Ouch. and he texted me, he said his nose was bleeding. So I went to the cameras oh and I was like, God. Oh, I got to see this. Oh my God. And he was over here. So I couldn't see him. He was behind oh, the wall, damn. but I just saw him like shaking his head, bringing the ball back. Oh I was my like, fuck. <laughs> I wanted to see that. Ouch. Yeah. I've done it. I was thinking of slamming on your foot, but yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but but again, that's like better case scenario than like, okay, we're going to do some barbell snatches for sure. You know, and you tear your rotator cuff because you're throwing a bar over your head. It's super fast. But essentially what we're doing here is some kind of explosive work to train the central nervous system. Um, then we're going to go into strength work, which we're only going to do a little bit of. So I would pick two main lifts that you want to progress from a strength perspective. And then the rest of the week, any kind of compounds are doing bodybuilding stuff. So if it's bench press and deadlift, you're not hitting the squat or the overhead press in the low rep ranges with heavy weights. So it will look like, and this is the perfect split for this whole thing is a upper lower push pull legs, but we'd go bench squat on the upper lower days. And then overhead press is high reps. Squat is front squat, maybe high reps. You're doing things that are really high volume, low weight. So you don't bang up your joints. And then you focus on building strength in the bench and the deadlift. If those are your two, if you want bench and squat, that's fine too. So we go from being explosive then to doing some heavy compound lifts and then some dynamic accessory work. So maybe like heavy dumbbell Bulgarian split squats, stuff that we're not going to accumulate a lot of volume on because the fatigue's super high. Bulgarians are brutal, but you can build a lot of strength there. And then on the push-pull legs days, we just bro out. You do an overhead press for high reps. Then you're doing lateral raise, curls, front raises, shrugs. You're doing things that are like isolation exercises. So gotcha. you're just doing bodybuilding this blend is perfect because you're spending enough time building strength and you're spending enough time accumulating volume to build muscle and you're not doing too much of either. And so you end up having a good stimulus to fatigue ratio, right? High amount of stimulus to get your goal, not so much fatigue that you can't recover. Um, and within the book, the ebook that we're going to launch, which by the way, is going to be completely free. So it's, this is not a paid thing, but I have graphs showing like how this works and how you uh, modulate and undulate intensities throughout the week and throughout the month to make sure that you're not overtraining. Mm. Cause a lot of people will go like, Oh, I'm going to do a push pull leg split and I'm going to do some heavy singles at the beginning, lift high volume throughout the week. Now you're lifting heavy. You're lifting six days a week. You're doing high volume. Basically all your dials are cranked up. Yeah. You're just going to burn out. Yeah. You're not going to be able to recover. So, um, the best way to do this is what I call performance bodybuilding, but it's essentially doing a, enough of everything to where you're creating stimuluses in each department, but not too much where you can't recover from it. Um, and honestly, it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's a really fun way to train and you can absolutely make progress doing this. Dope. So. There you go. All right. So next one, uh, next question comes from Jillian Barker. Do you believe the body has a set point in terms of body comp and weight? 
I do. Um, it's hard. Like, there's no good research on this to, like, say if it's, like, there's two different terms. There's a body fat set point, and then there's a body weight settling point. Mm. I believe more so in the body weight settling point um, because I've seen people, you know, there, I, I think that there is a body fat set point that's universal mm-hmm. because if somebody has 70 pounds to lose and they're like, oh, it's just hard for me to drop the weight because like this is kind of my body fat set point. I'm going to say no. There's no way in hell that your body wants to have that excess body fat because it's extremely unhealthy and it's making all your systems and functions um, dysfunctional and, and not perform at where they could. Now, if you had 70 pounds to lose and you lost 65 pounds and you were like dying to get to that, I would believe it. I'd be like, hey, you're probably in the universal settling point, right? There's this body fat zone where the human body is just healthier, period. It's why most people can get pretty lean, but getting shredded is extremely hard. Why? Because that's beyond the set point for most people. 90% of people are in this comfortable range of, um, for men, let's say like, eight to 15% body fat, right? Which eh, I would say like eight to 13, 14% body fat, which is lean. You can see your abs mainly in the morning. You can see them at certain angles throughout the day. You're not shredded though, right? You can see like for a guy, you can see muscular legs, arms, shoulders, everything, but you don't have a rip six pack. That's normal. That's a body fat set point for most people. Going beyond that takes a grind, right? And usually after you get shredded, you kind of fall back into that window. It's really hard to sustain it. 10% 10% of people can go beyond that and sustain it because they're genetic freaks. And I don't say that as a bad thing. They're, they're lucky. I wish I was that way. It'd mm. be great. And I, I know people that are, that are that way and it's awesome, but it's just not that many people can sustain that lean of physique where they just walk around with a shredded six pack 24, seven, 365, right? It's not very likely. Um, and that's even for women, same thing. It's not as shredded, but still there's some women who can just stay really, really lean all the time. They have a genetic, uh, capability to do so. And that's not that many people, right? 90% of people don't have that. Um, 90% of women should see definition in their upper back. They should be able to see some definition in their shoulders in their calves and in places like that, but they're not super, super shredded in their uh, stomach or, or glutes, hamstrings, quads, because that's typically where they store more body fat. And that's just, that's just normal. Now, totally. body weight settling point is where your individual body is more comfortable. Right. And there's many definitions for both these things. This is just kind of how I look at it and what my experience has shown me. But, you know, there's a place for my body where it is comfortable. Like now for me to say it's universal would be for me to say that every five, nine male individual that is within 10 years of my age should have a body settling point of 170 to 175. Yeah. That's inaccurate. Yeah. You know what I mean? But based on my history the amount of muscle I have, my activity levels, my sleep, all those things, my body tends to stay in this 170 to 175 range. When I want to get big and gain weight, it's really hard for me to break that 175. When I want to get really lean, it's hard for me to break 170. Yeah. You know, I usually get down to 170 and I'm approaching that, that number here soon. And then it's going to be a grind, mm-hmm. right? I could take it to 160 and I would be peeled. I'm not going to sustain that. It's not going to be healthy. If I do get that far, I'll take some cool pictures and then I'm, I'm out. <laughs> like, you know, it's just not, it's not sustainable. So that's the difference between the two. And I think ultimately you can change your, your body weight settling point if you do things properly. And this kind of goes back to, I think it was on the last research review I did with Brandon um, and the YouTube video we did talking about diet breaks, but I talked about periodizing it in a way where you have a cut for X weeks, then you take a maintenance phase and then you have another cut, yeah. right? And doing things like that help you change the body settling point because if if I know getting past 170 is tough, I'm going to cut down to 170 and then I'm going to maintain that, right? That's leaner than my normal by a few pounds, but it's not crazy to sustain. So my body will, I'll be able to reverse diet and keep it there for a little bit. My body will feel good, healthy, ready to respond for the next diet. Eight to 10 weeks later, I jump into another deficit to push past that 170 and then maybe I sit at 165 for another maintenance block. Totally. And it's a little bit tougher to maintain, but I'm going to do it because I didn't try to lose 15 pounds and then maintain it, right? And for some people, that 15 is, is relative to 30 pounds. It just depends on where you're at, right? But for me, this is the example. Um, and you break it up. Now, it's going to take me a year, a year plus to change that body settling point. But if you want to change it to where you can maintain a leaner physique for a long period of time for the rest of your life what it takes. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's why most people who do maintain a lean physique, especially ones who don't have the greatest genetic genetics, they have been doing this for a long fucking time. 
So when we compare our body to another person's body, we also have to ask, what is their lifestyle like? What is their stress? What is their responsibility? All that. But also, how long have they been doing this? Because I used to do that all the time when I was in the first few years of trying to change my body and I didn't have the muscle mass I wanted. I didn't look as lean as I wanted. And I would compare to people who have been training 10, 15, 20 years. It doesn't make sense if I've only been training three. Mm. You know what I mean? It makes no sense at all. Let alone there's people who are comparing their one-year fitness journey to people's 10-year fitness journey. That doesn't make sense either, right? It's not a relative comparison. Um, But I do believe in both of them. I think there's like a universal one for most people as far as like body fat percentages of what is healthy and normal and sustainable. And then I think there's a body settling point for each individual where their body kind of likes to hang. Um, and the best, the easiest analogy to think of it is like a thermostat, you know, in your house. If, if you have AC and heat, you turn it to 68 or 70 degrees, let's say for easy math. If it gets hot and it starts going up to 72, the AC kicks on, brings it back down to 70. If it gets too cold because it's turned to night, it'll, the heat will turn on, it'll bring it to 70, right? Mm-hmm. It's always kind of balancing. That's your metabolism. Yeah. Your metabolism is regulating that dial until all the time. All the time. It's, yeah. it's homeostasis. That's yeah. where it's comfortable. So totally. Yep. It's a great way to put it. I will not take credit for that analogy. <laughs> it's been said many times, <laughs> but it is a good one. Cool. Uh, next one comes from Kelsey Bomar. Uh, do you have any advice or techniques for staying motivated when you have been consistent for months, but you are still not seeing progress? Mm. So the first thing I would say, there's a few things that come to mind. The The first thing that comes to mind when somebody wants to know how to stay motivated when they're not seeing results yet, they've been consistent for a long time, which can be really frustrating, is to audit what you're doing and see if it requires change, right? Because at the end of the day, like when we get people that come to us and they're like, oh, this is the result I want. And I'm like, okay, cool. How long have you been working at this? All year. Okay, cool. What are you doing right now? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, what were you doing six months ago? Same thing. Okay, well, change requires change. So if you're not seeing the result you want to see, you got the consistency factor down, change what you're doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, now, There's many times as coaches, we don't change what you're doing, but that's because you're not consistent. So if if I see a client who's not getting results, but I know they should based on where we have things prescribed, it's about checking off the boxes. Are you sleeping? Are you getting enough water? Are you getting fiber? Are you measuring accurately? Are you going out on the weekends and forgetting to track? Are you drinking too much alcohol? Like, are you training hard? If all these ducks are in a row and we go, okay, we have to change something. It's either a bigger deficit. We're adding cardio. We're going to change a train. We're going to change the stimulus, the stressor, Right. Maybe you've been at it for too long. We need to pull you back for a little bit, recover the body and go after it again. But regardless, I think number one is to create change, right? So because the most motivating thing and the thing that keep you motivated is results, right? So normally I would say the best way to get motivated or continue being motivated is to take action, get results. Those results will motivate you and it's that success loop again, right? But if you are consistent and you're still not getting results, I'm not going to tell you to take more action because you're doing that. I would say change what you're taking action on because maybe what you're doing is just not working anymore and it requires change. You know, nothing is linear. Success doesn't happen by doing the exact same thing over time consistently. You have to change what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Doing a generic audit. Exactly. Audit everything. See what's not working. Change it. Right. Or just change the way you're doing it. Um, At the same time, if if you are changing, you've tried everything and, and it's still not working. Or even better, like it is working, you are getting results and you are super consistent. You're just not motivated to keep doing what you need to do or what you have been doing to continue getting results. Um, I think that's where like you have to kind of do some soul searching for lack of better terms and look at like, why are you doing any of this? You know what I mean? I think I'll tell you one thing, man, like this tailored life challenge has reinvigorated so much motivation for me because there's so many people that are literally saying it's changing their life. You know, and I think I took some of these habits for granted because I've been doing them for so long. But when I see people who have never incorporated things like this, who have never had a community like this, who have never had the chance to have structure behind habits, and they're saying like, this is literally changing how I see the world, how I act day to day, how I handle stress. Um, I've had people email me and message me outside the group saying how grateful they are and how much is changing me and people DMing me. And like somebody the other day was talking about how like, uh, like as a, as a busy mother of multiple kids, like how these little things are making her a much better mother to her kids. And it's noticeable from her and from the people around her. And like, it's like, holy shit. Now these things are changing how you operate and that's going to change your kids' lives. 
Like that's crazy. So maybe one way to motivate uh, yourself too is give, give to others. Yeah. Like these are things that I've had in my back pocket. I've always used, I've always known um, some of them, which weren't as effective for me because I've done them for so long. And now being more enthusiastic about it, they are more helpful. Um, but it also pushes me to be like, okay, like what's the next step for me, you know? And, and just this act of giving to everybody has been fucking insanely motivating. Damn. I mean, the group is fired up. Yeah. It's kind of nuts, yeah. honestly. It's way better than I anticipated. Totally. Yeah. So, um, change what you're doing if you need to give something away. That's why part of the challenge, every single one has an appreciation, you know, and in the journal practice, it says like, um, what is something you're going to give today? Like there's been days where I literally write, I'm going to give my time to a stranger. So I like find somebody who has emailed me a while ago or DM me or need help or something. And I take a lot of time. I send them a loom video. I do something to help a stranger. So it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to buy somebody something. Um, yesterday I gave Trav an aura ring. Mm. Like, cause I was going to re- refund it. And he looked at, he was like, cause we were talking about him. He was like, man, I've wanted one of those things for so fucking long. And I was like, I had the return label already printed out and everything. I was just waiting for the new one to come. Because I wanted it to look like actually like my wedding ring. Mm-hmm. So when I swapped it, it was like my wedding ring. Yeah. Because I'm not going to wear two rings. But uh, I just looked at him for a second. And he was like, what? And I was like, you can fucking have it, dude. And I was like, and that made me feel so fucking good. Yeah. But like I was telling somebody the other day, like they were struggling with the appreciation thing because they felt weird. And I was like, take away the aspect of like needing to hear it back. Because it's not about me saying something so that like, you know, hey, I appreciate you, dude. And then like lean forward and wait for you to be like, I appreciate you too. Like, yeah. it's not about that. Yeah. It's about sending a text so you can be grateful for the people or the things in your life because yeah. you're showing appreciation for things you love to remind yourself that you have shit to appreciate. Yep. To, get, to gain that motivation also. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I, I, think, I think that, that you know, gratitude is, is somewhat of a fuel to keep you moving forward because it just reminds you of your purpose. So dig a little bit deeper. Find out your why. Why are you doing, why are you trying to lose weight? That it's, it should be personal. It shouldn't be for other people, but dig really deep. And sometimes that can get emotional because for some people it is a, a really deep-rooted insecurity or it goes back to something somebody said to you that made you feel embarrassed, guilty, shameful, like whatever, sad, depressed. Bring that emotion back up as, as fucked up as it is, but it's powerful because it gives you a reason to change so that you never have to feel that way again. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's. I love it. Yeah. That's probably what I was trying to do. All right, cool. The next one we're going to go to comes from Kathy, uh, Kathy Siley, I believe. Seely or Siley. How productive or maybe even counterproductive is it to change up meditation practices? How much time should you should someone who has trouble focusing on meditation allow to try to make progress versus trying something different? Mm. I think everybody is different in how long they need in order to uh, acquire or like create a new habit. You know, like at what point does it actually become a habit? You know what I mean? Like so meditation you're doing it every day at what point is it going to become really easy for you to just knock out every day because it is it's a solely part of your routine it's like brushing your teeth now um i don't know there's actually a good amount of research saying 66 days which seems like a long time because for a long time it was always 21 days everybody always said three weeks 21 days i don't know where that came from i don't know if there's research to back that up i think it depends on the habit and i think it depends on the person person. Yeah. yeah so one of the studies was on weight loss people. And so you have to ask too, like, okay, is this a 20 minute walk and that's the habit? Or is this, uh, and like a whole coaching program, you know, like, okay, you're going to track your macros. You're going to be in a deficit. You're going to make sure you get seven hours of sleep and you're going to work out four times a week. Maybe that would take 66 days to become like ingrained in your lifestyle. Cause that's a lot of shit. Yeah. But if it's just 10 minutes of meditation, that's it. One thing. I don't know. I would say 21 days is probably the minimum 66 days. I think it's for sure locked in. Like you don't have to, you know, worry about it. But, um, I think that you should at least stick with each one for 21 days. Like I think, and if you're in the challenge, which you are, cause you asked this question, I would stick with one meditation practice the whole time. Now at the same time, if I would rather you switch it up, then not do it at all. Right. Because the point is to create stillness. But if you're having trouble meditating, which I have many times in the past, Switching it up can actually be counterproductive because 
if it takes me a long time to try to focus and then I switch up my environment, I switch up the style, I switch up what I'm listening to, I'm recreating that skill or that, that practice to try to create stillness and focus and, and clarity and, and calmness, right? Because now I'm in a different place. I'm in a different environment. I'm doing different things. I'm doing different style. I'm not used to this. So I'm thinking about it. Like, okay, well, how do I do this now? How do I get calm? How do I slow down my breathing? How do I think, focus on this? Whereas if you do the same thing every time, a lot of those things kind of just become, they just become, they, yeah. they are, right? So I would stick to it. Like uh, even in the book I'm reading, it talks about um, kind of like the, the one we have in the group, uh, the candle where you, you light a candle. Mm-hmm. I did it with my fireplace, but you can do it with any fire. And it's just, you stare at the fire, you just watch the fire and you don't look away. Um, which I will say it's kind of hard on my eyes sometimes, so I tend not to do it. But that's good for some people who need to see something actively moving. But there's another one um, in the book that monks use with a rose. So you watch a rose. I don't know the significance if you're counting the petals, if you're looking at whatever it is, but that's what they do. They look at a rose. Interesting. Um, And they say for 21 days. You know, and build up the time that you want to watch the rose for 21 days or consistently every day for 21 oh. days. Yeah. So like that's your meditation. Okay. 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 So they say like start with five minutes and then you yeah. want to work. To I just didn't minutes. know if that was like a religious thing. Like, no, <laughs> 21 days <laughs> straight. Totally. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So like you, you would, uh, you would look at that for five minutes at the beginning and you'd want to build up to 20 minutes in, in a 21 day period. So there, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. I, I personally find the most benefit when I stick with one thing. So for me, this whole entire challenge, it's been the visualization every single morning. Um, and that's something I reintroduce. I haven't done in a long time. I, I've, I've done it sporadically through the years. And I have done times where I'm like, okay, today my meditation is going to be this. Today it's going to be this. And this time I was like, I'm going to pick one. I'm going to stick with it. And it's been really helpful to just do the same thing every day. And the visualization has been great. And I pick a different aspect of my life that I want to focus on. You know, usually body being balanced business, one mm-hmm. of the four categories. And just focus on that thing, you know. And totally it's and it's trippy it sounds like when i think about like when i visualize fatherhood you know in five ten years and i have to visualize blakely being older mm-hmm. which what stage of life is she in and how am i going to handle those things and like i i feel like i'm preparing myself or at least building self-belief and confidence so i eliminate anxiety that that's going to come but at the same time it's trippy trying to imagine her yeah. you know <laughs> but it's going to come yeah i mean it's called life yeah 100 percent. so i think that that's ultimately it's it's a preparation tool for you sure know? Um, but point being is I'm getting really good at visualizing my future because I'm doing it every single morning. Right. So I think there is a skill behind meditation and you should try to pick one that works the best or comes the most naturally and then just stick with it. Yeah. I'm a very imaginative person. So I think I enjoy the visualization the most. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. Cool. We got the next one. Lori Russell. I have a real aversion to veggies. I strongly dislike the vast majority of vegetables, any creative or unique ways of sneaking them into your diet. Well, for you personally, uh, Laura is going to be going live or dropping a video. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a live video or pre-recorded, but on meal prep and recipes and stuff like that. So you're going to, you're in luck. Um, if you're a member or a client of ours, nutrition coach client, Use the recipe guides. I mean, we have give you a recipe guide every single month. There's tons in there for veggies. Those are the two best pieces of advice for me. I would say this too. Number one, get a greens drink because it's not a replacement, but it is going to help. Yep. Um, addition. It's an addition. And if you're not eating vegetables at all, it's it's a huge benefit. So get one of those. Uh, Legion has one called uh, Genesis um, that I really like. It also has um, adaptogens in it, like ashwagandha, stuff like that, which is great. Um, if, if you want like a just a good, useful, generic one that's cheap and, and effective, Amazing Grass is on Amazon. You can get a 100-serving bottle for 50 bucks. It'll last you over three months, so it's super cheap. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've always used, to be honest with you, because um, me and Shannon just both scoop out. It just lasts forever. But um, I would, like, for me, I, I, I'm a staples kind of guy. Like, I, I don't like trying to recreate the wheel or figure out these things. So, like, I'm like, okay, how, how do I like vegetables? And this is easier said than done for me because I like every single thing on the planet except cucumbers. So it's like, as long as it's not a cucumber, I'll fucking eat it. Mm. But I know that I like roasted anything, right? So put olive oil and garlic all over it, I'll eat it. Yeah. So except I just cucumbers. Re- except cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I repeat that over and over and over again, right? Like I, I hate 
Like some people can just eat raw peppers, raw carrot. I hate mm. the crunch. Yeah. I don't know why. Unless it's got 10 pounds of hummus on it, I just yeah. can't do it. Wow. So peppers, broccoli, green beans, Brussels, asparagus, like any vegetable, put olive oil on it, bunch of garlic powder and salt, throw it in the oven and roast that shit. I love it. Yeah. So now I can easily eat a roasted vegetable every single night and I just change the vegetable I'm eating and then it's like a variety. The macros are virtually the same every single time because it's about the same amount of green vegetables. It's usually the same. Um, and it has that familiar flavor with a slight change. Stimulate, stimulates that like variety I need, but it's, it's easy and it's good. Um, spinach, for example, cooks down so easily. So I chop it up, throw it in my egg. It cooks down from like being, you could have a whole fucking bowl and it turns into like a quarter of a cup because mm. it shrinks so much. So now I'm like, well, an easy way to get a lot of vegetables is throw spinach in something I'm cooking because it'll cook down and it feels like I'm not even eating vegetables and it's easy. Yeah. So I put spinach in my eggs and then usually for dinner I'll do like chopped up steak on a skillet and then uh, rice and then I throw um, spinach over the s- chopped up steak and it cooks down and then I throw like some uh, soy sauce, liquid aminos, put it in the rice, it's like a teriyaki bowl. Totally. You can't really taste the spinach because it's small and cooked down. Um, and those are two really easy ways, you know. Um, you, I know you think it's weird, so does Shannon, but what? steamed broccoli with mustard on it. Oh, yeah. Is, it sounds foul when yeah. I say it out loud. It sounds very gross, but, um, and I think it's just- I like a, steamed broccoli. I just don't like mustard. I don't know why. I don't, dude, I, I literally don't put mustard on anything else. Oh. Ever. It was just like this bro bodybuilder thing I saw, and I was like, fuck, mustard on broccoli? Tried it? It's like, solid. It's sold. So I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy thing to eat. Wow. So I do that all the time, too, and I think, like, just keep it simple, you know? Greens powder- Throw spinach and things that cook down really easily and then pick, like, for me, the roasted one is, is an easy one, but pick a way to, like, prepare vegetables that you can handle and then just rotate the vegetables you're doing it with. Totally. Yeah. You, great. you do stir fries a lot, right? Yep. Broccoli like, and cucumbers. <laughs> zucchini. Anything. Yeah. Right? Stir fries are great. You like I zucchini? Mean, yeah. Zucchini's good. Borderline cucumbers. Uh, it is, but, but... it's different. It looks like a cucumber. Yeah. It's more like squash. But Oh, absolutely. That's fair enough. But, like, stir fry, like, we got one of those hibachi pan i think it's called a hibachi pan where it's like a big bowl yeah is that hibachi i don't know you know where you go keep to going the, keep you know the, the restaurants where they cook yeah, it with fire in front of absolutely. It? there's like this big like bowl yeah. pan i don't know what it's called stir yeah. fry pan there you go yeah actually i think that's exactly what it's called yeah. um but we th- like we literally i used to do this all the time at the end of the week it's like all right what do we have left we have little green beans little broccoli we have some carrots we got some peppers onions mushrooms baby corn yeah can of baby corn in the, fr- the, the pantry like We'll just throw a ton of different things in there with some good teriyaki sauce. It's actually really low calorie and just throw some meat in there, chicken, super good. shrimp, whatever. It's fire. Yep. And that's Very just a good. ton of vegetables. Yep. So that's an easy way to do it. Hey, do you want quick, easy, and fast fat loss? So fast that it'll happen in 30 days and maybe all you have to do is take a pill? Well, you're shit out of luck because it's not going to happen. It takes hard work and patience which is one of the reasons why I love Legion Supplements. They are open and honest about their marketing, and on the front page, they tell you that supplements don't overrule training and nutrition, but they do supplement a good diet and a good training program. So if your training's dialed in, your nutrition is on point, and you wanna get that upper edge and take things to the next level to get the best results possible for your body and performance, check out Legion and save 20% today by heading to buylegion.com slash boom boom. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, uh, next one comes from Katie Newman. She says a two-part question here is, who are, or this is, this is a good one, who are your top three to five guests? Well, let's do top three for time's sake. Who are your top three guests that you want to have on your podcast, fitness or non-fitness, that you haven't had on yet? Second part is why. Are we reaching for the stars here? Should we reach for the stars? Sure. I mean, I feel Make like... Make it interesting. I basically feel like we either have to or it's kind of pointless because yeah. there's... there's a, Right now for where the podcast is at, because the podcast has grown, it's pretty successful now, yeah. we're at a point where like there's a good amount of people we can reach out to and there's a high likelihood that they're going to come on yep. as long as they see the email or the message because they're busy people and it happens. And then there's this huge gap and there's fucking... Joe Rogan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a pretty big gap. So I don't think Joe Rogan goes on other people's podcasts. I don't think so either. But I'm just saying, there's yeah. basically like, we're we're in, we could get basically most people on and then there's a pretty big gap and then there's like famous people. Yeah. You know? Um, obviously, Joe Rogan would be <laughs> probably one of my top ones. But you know what? Uh, like, personally, I would probably rather have a round, like if I'm going to pick Joe Rogan, I'm going to do a round table and I'm going to pick Joe and like one or two of my favorite guests from his podcast 
and I'm kind of going to be a fly on the wall. Mm. Like I'm going to sit at his podcast table because I would want to go to his studio and I would just probably laugh the whole time. I probably wouldn't say anything. I just fucking laugh and probably get high on the fumes that they're smoking yeah. <laughs> while they do it. And uh, I mean, like imagine being able to sit at a table with him and Dave Chappelle and just, yeah. just did you watch that episode? Not yet, but oh I'm going to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I've seen good. some like quotes and stuff on Instagram that yeah. I was like, damn, this is, so I, I would love to do that. But there's also been people that he's interviewed like, um, uh, I was just watching him yesterday. Um, the guy that wrote, uh, can't hurt me. Um, he's an ex Navy seal. Oh, David Goggins. There you go. Have David Goggins at the table or like Tim Kennedy is, is a badass dude. Um, or not Tim. I mean, Tim's great too, but Jocko Willinks is who I was thinking of. Jocko Willinks at the table with him. Like, that'd be crazy. So, um, but this is like way, way out there, yeah. right? That's like literally daydreaming. Um, dude, it'd be wild to talk to Jocko. It would be. Yeah. So wild. Yeah. I mean, he fires me up. <laughs> His book is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, I would, I would probably, but I would choose Joe and I would choose Joe because he has such a wide variety of experience based knowledge, right? Like he's not textbook savvy on blank topic, but he's probably talked to every expert on every interesting topic that you could think of. Yeah. And he's had so many different experiences between sports and fighting and career and com- comedy and motivation and fucking uh, DMT and ayahuasca and like all these crazy things. He's talked to like, unbelievable political figures, unbelievable religious figures, unbelievable celebrity motivation, like everything. Name it. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So yeah. like just listening to him, his opinion on a wide variety of topics would be very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so there's one. I'd obviously pick Rob Deardick. Rob Deardick would be up there. Uh, he recently just started a podcast, which I've been loving. It's uh, called Build with Rob. and it, Really? It's dope. And... So basically what he's doing now, unaware of this. he's kind of opening, it just started a couple weeks ago. Oh, So he's basically opening the playing field for applying to work with him now. So like to the point where, cause what he does now is essentially like he has a, a company called the Deer Deck Machine and it's basically like, he's kind of like a capital investor. So normal capital investors would take applications, almost like Shark Tank, right? Surely. That's yeah. what they are, right? You, you show them your idea and they go, okay, here's a mill. Yep. I'm an investor. Whereas Rob goes, okay, we'll take it. And then it's, I'm in your team. We're inventing together. We're creating together. We're building together. I yeah. am investing yeah. with a certain amount of capital, but I'm also in the creative process. And as soon as it takes off and goes, I step out. You can only do that to so many te- so many companies. I mean, you he, can't be involved in that many. Dude, just, he like literally, I mean, there's like footwear, whiskey, cologne, bags. Um, there's like a bunch of different like protein supplements that he's a part of. Like, yeah. dude, it's crazy. But once the creative process is done, he steps away. Yeah. So I think for him, it's like, there's a, there's probably like a, a six month period, you know, where he's just deep into it. And then he steps back, collects and his goes money, to the next one, goes to the next one. Yeah. Um, six months. Dude, like I li- so I have like a section of my journal where there's like ideas and I literally heard him the podcast and I was like, which one of these ideas is good enough to apply? Yeah. Like I got to figure out a business plan because that would be so dope to work with him. But I would have him on the podcast just because he's extremely positive and motivating and as corny as it sounds, I see a lot of me in him. Like that's why I like lean towards him. He was a skateboarder. He was like his style, what he was into and then watching his success and how he ch- changed things and how he got into meditation eventually and personal development. It's very similar to how I kind of fell into things and I saw him do it and it guided me a little bit. Um, so I'd love to podcast with him and, uh, so there's two. Damn. And one more. Yeah. The third one's going to be the tough. rock. Rock would be great. The rock would be sick, but I feel like that's a very generic. The thing about the rocks, I don't know what I would talk to him about. You don't, you don't think Joe Rogan's generic. <laughs> I mean, that's no, everybody's number one answer. <laughs> yeah. Very true. <laughs> but every, anyway. every podcaster's number one okay, answer. Yeah. The rock is like everybody's yeah. answer. I love Rob Deerdeck, but I just. Yeah, see, the thing is, is, like, I know, see, and this, that's actually the thing about Joe. I don't know what I would talk to him about, actually, because there's so much. Yeah. The Rock, same thing. I don't know what I would talk to him about. I just think you're fucking cool. Rob Deerdeck, I know exactly what I would talk to him about. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, see, that, that makes it com- way more difficult. Um, I, I would, I, I know I would choose David Goggins. David Goggins would be up there, and I know exactly what I would talk to him about. His story is insane. And he's literally probably the most badass dude in the entire fucking world. Like he, like the his way training, his, his brain yeah. thinks, dude. 
Have you seen that like training with David Goggins? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Dude, it's insane. He yeah. did a, a marathon and with pneumonia. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, <Not> smart. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, he he literally could do anything. Yeah. He just goes through anything. Like he broke his ankle or something, taped it up, and went through six months of buds, which is like the b- most brutal Navy SEAL training. Totally. Something has to be fucked up in your head to be able yeah. to do that stuff. If you haven't listened to that episode, listen to it. It will blow your mind. The one with mind. Joe Rogan. Yeah. yeah. He's been on there a few times, too. Yeah. There's um, a, there's a, I've listened to two or three really good episodes on Jocko's, too, that are just mind-blowing, yeah. dude. The things that, like... He went through? Yeah. You would like his book, dude. His book is sick. The, uh... Not the new one, the dichotomy of leadership, but extreme ownership. Mm. Every chapter is story, business application. So mm. it's like story. I'm in uh, Iraq. Here's the situation. Here's what we're doing. And he's like going in detail of the shit he went through. And it's crazy. And then you go to the next part of the chapter and it's like, like, what's the lesson that you can apply into your life and your business? So it's like a really cool way to like go through it. But some of the stories totally. are just like, dude, which you probably heard some of them. Yeah. Like, um, but Rob Deerdeck and David Goggins would be for sure. Honestly, I think I'm going to take back Joe Rogan. I'm going to throw Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. Take back Joe? Yeah. Just because I don't she know. She's at three to five. Oh, there you go. So keep <laughs> him in there. Throw uh, If I have five, I'm going to throw Kevin Hart, and I'm going to throw uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. There you go. Kevin Hart is the most, like, the, the only person on the planet that is equally motivating and hilarious, without a doubt in my mind. Yeah. He's probably my favorite comedian, for sure. Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle are up there as well with him. But that dude is just, he's a machine. And Arnold Schwarzenegger has the most insane That's story in life. Yeah. yeah. Like, what he's accomplished. Cool. Well, I think you answered both of those questions very thoroughly. So, God, what would it take to, to get all that shit going? Next one comes from Simon Brown. Or Simone Brown. Definitely Simone. Hey, Cody, my biggest downfall is going on holidays and not getting back on the train um, e.g., the Taylor life routine and food. Maybe example. example. So kind of like I.e. Okay. I struggle so much to switch back to reality from holiday mode. Not sure what the question is here. Probably how to switch back and probably yeah. So I know Joe Rogan should do a contest for listeners to opt into, and the winner gets to interview him or something like that. That'd be fucking cool. Or come to the studio. Yeah, I mean. Okay, yeah, he wouldn't do it, but that'd be so cool. How many entries he would have? Um, all right, so how to get back on track. After holidays. Step number one, like remove the guilt and shame associated with falling off in the first place. A lot of times people don't jump back on track simply because they're so guilty and they feel so bad for themselves for falling off in the first place. But the reality is that's fucking life. Yeah. It happens. There was a holiday. There's going to be another holiday. There's going to be a work trip. There's going to be a, a work meeting. There's going to be a day you forget to meal prep. There's going to be a day where your kids get in trouble and you have to pick them up in the middle of the day from school because the principal called you. There's going to be all these kind of things. They're all going to throw a wrench in your plan. So two things. Number one, if you're not following a flexible approach, you need to learn a flexible approach so that you can shift. There are times within a transformation where you should be less flexible and you should be very strict because you need to get to the end goal. And sometimes people are being too flexible and there's no way to ensure that what we are doing is working because it's not accurate, yeah. right? There's, I have somebody right now who are getting really close to the tail end of their cut. And I straight up told them, I was like, dude, like, we got to tighten this up. You got to stop eating out here. Like, we just, it's time to be less flexible because you want to take it to that level. This is what it takes, you know? And it hasn't been that in the two years I've worked with them. But we're at that point where it's like, bro, like, I, I literally said, like, dude, I hate doing this. But we're going to have to cut these things out. We're going to have to stop being flexible here. Like, you're going to have to be more rigid here. Eat the same shit every day here. Like, that's what it takes, yeah. you know. But for the most part, for 90% of the fat, fat loss journey, for the, for the fitness journey, it's very flexible. So if you don't know a flexible plan, figure out a flexible plan because that removes the issue in the first place. Number two, stop feeling guilty. Shit happens. Just get back on track. Take away the timeline. Take away the deadline. Take away the urgency. Just know that you're trying to create change over time. Stop feeling guilty about fucking up and just look for the lessons within the failure so that you can apply them for next time the failure is about to happen and you can do better. Totally. Period. Because it's going to happen again, like I just said. Um, And at the end of the day, like this is where accountability comes into play. So if you can't do that on your own, if you can't learn the flexible approach on your own, and if you can't learn how to stop feeling guilty and, and start just getting back on track right away 
number one, you need somebody to, to help you find your why and the reason you're doing this because that's your motivation. Number two, you got, you got to get somebody to guide you on the flexible approach. And number three, you need somebody keeping you accountable to make sure you're doing steps A through Z. Yeah. Right? And I think that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is. That's why the group's so powerful. There's mm-hmm. accountability in there. Everybody sees each other doing shit. It's yeah. why when I posted the levels, I was like, comment below and tell me what level you're on. Because everybody sees each other doing it. And everybody's like, me too, me too. Hey, I'm doing this too. Like, now there's public pressure. There's public accountability. And that that's, needs to be there. Yeah. Right? So even if you don't have a coach, go fucking tell people that you're doing this. Totally. You know? And go hire a coach. Yeah. The best advice, obviously. But I'm biased. <laughs> I love it. All right. Cool. Uh, next one comes from Joanne. Man, I'm so sorry, Joanne. I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. <sighs> Try that. We're going to first names only. D'Ambrosi. The last name. Yeah, D'Ambrosi. That's not the last name. Keep reading, buddy. Oh, there's a second line. I was looking at the comment. Okay. Joanne D'Ambrosi Squissierina. Squissierini. Dude, it's even harder when you try it the second time. Yeah. It's almost like just go with the first one. I think that's that's probably super Italian. All right. Which this is a great question though. Which of the challenge tasks do you feel are most important to keep practicing after the thirty-one days, Ooh. and why? That's a really good question. Um, you guys are gonna hate my answer. Cold showers. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> it's most important. You, you're still gonna hate my answer. Yeah, you're still gonna hate my answer because it depends. Yeah. The the most important the most important habit for you to continue is the 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 habit that is working probably the hardest for you to stick to and 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 not hardest from a standpoint of like I hate cold water but a, the hardest from a standpoint of di- like internal discomfort because when I go to the cold shower I fucking hate it yeah. but I don't like it, it's not one of those things where like I'm really stepping out of my comfort zone I'm just annoyed I'm just like God I fucking hate this. Turn on cold, I get it done, and then I'm like, that wasn't that bad. Like, I'm glad I did that. You know what I mean? And I actually, like, I've been just doing it right before bed. Cold showered, bundle up. It actually feels fucking great, so now I'm kind of excited to do it. But discomfort internally and what is creating the biggest change for you, you know? So if I look at this this 31-day period, um, it's not the journaling because that's that's a habit I haven't broken in years. I always journal. It's not the reading. Um, I haven't broken that habit in years Although I'm more structured about my reading, like it's been much more routine and it's, I've had a better flow since this challenge. I've, I've always been a reader. So like, I can't say that's created the biggest change for me. Um, cold showers. No mobility. No. Um, the walk. No. Cause that, that one's easy for me since I take a call at least every day, mm-hmm. just going to walk during the call. But the visualization, the meditation, that's been the biggest one for me. That's the one habit that I always let go of. It's the one habit I always make excuses for. It's the one habit I always say I don't have time to do or that it's not doing anything for me and, and I'm good, which is anybody listening who, who hasn't given enough time or effort into personal development, I guarantee you can relate to this statement. When people ask you how you are, you say, I'm good, period. You're not good, right? There's always, and that doesn't mean you're never good, but it's extremely common for people to be in a place where they're not fully fulfilled, they're not fully happy, they're not pushing themselves, they're not personally developing. And if somebody asks how everything's going, you just say, I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Good. It's like, it, I said it all the time. Even in times where, like, I was emotionally on edge, times where I was overwhelmed and overworked at, at here at the office or in my career, when I was having a lot of anxiety, when I was fearful of having a daughter, all those times I just, I'm good. I'm good. It's cause it's hard to be vulnerable and say like, fuck dude, I'm not okay. <laughs> like some shit's going on, you know, but you need to be, cause that's the only way to get over it. But the point being is whatever the thing is that's helping you right now the most, and it's probably creating discomfort because it's helping the most. That's the thing you got to keep for me. That's meditation. Mm. So I can't, I can't really tell you, you have to like really look at yourself and go, which one of these am I feeling the most impact from and I have the most resistance to? That's, that's how I should say, not discomfort. Because resistance is where you, you, you do make excuses. You try to rationalize with yourself as to why you don't need to do it and you can't just do it. And you can even think logically too. If I think logically, it's like, okay, what could I work on as an individual? It's slowing down, right? I tend to just go, go, go. I tend to want things done immediately. I tend to be impatient so the best thing for me to do is to try to learn how to be still, mm. calm down and center myself and totally, you know, woo woo mm-hmm. like shit. But 
that's meditation. So it's hard to say. Yeah. What about you? Depends. I would say, I mean, I would say the gratitude. I think that puts me in the best place mentally. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just not like you were explaining earlier, not expecting it back, but telling others, even if they say it back or not, it just puts me in a better place. Yeah. Knowing that I did show that to them and it could change their day or yeah, whatever. I don't think it's going to ruin their day. Yeah, that's that's actually, honestly, if I had to pick one and I couldn't give the it depends injury, it probably would be that one. Yeah. Because I think that's one universally that I think I feel confident saying like people all need. Yeah. You know, there's some people that really don't need to meditate all the time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do. Um, there's some people who, like like you, you're not a huge reader because you use other sources to learn. Do I think you're going to benefit from reading? Of course. But do I think that by all means you have to read every single day going forward because that's the best way to learn? I can't say that. You know what I mean? But the appreciation one, I don't know if I can literally look at anybody and be like, yeah, you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Like that's one that I think everybody literally could do. Yeah. And use. And should. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good one. I agree. Is there uh part two? Uh, she did ask, um, is there any tasks that you would add? I mean, shit, there's eight tasks on level three, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. Um, hmm. I don't think I would. I don't think I would add anything. I think I would change how things are done. Mm. So for example, like one thing that went through my head is the next time we run this is do we change the meditation style each level, right? They're all meditation, but level one meditation is different than level two and level three and they get more advanced. Um, is the journal practice different, right? Is the appreciation different, right? Like is the appreciation now has to be through video or voice, right? So now you have to say it in person or send an audio or send a video. Get you a little more uncomfortable, but it's a little more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Whereas level one, it's like, I don't care how you do it. Leave a note, send an email, it doesn't matter. Um, so I've thought about that. And I think like most of all, even if I don't set those rules in stone, I think that's the important thing is like once you go to round two and you're doing this again with us when we launch it again, um, I think at that point, it's it's up to you, and obviously I'll be giving ideas to everybody, but it's up to you to be like, last time I did it this way, this time I'm going to step it up and do it this way. You know, I think that's, I mean, even for cold showers, like, okay, like, how long did I stay in that cold shower on average last time? I'm going to fucking up the ante. I'm going to do a little bit longer, you know what I mean? Or um, maybe I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a cold finisher, so, like, I start hot, and then I finish cold and stand there. Maybe I'm going to start fucking cold. Maybe I'm going to soap up cold. Like, yeah which is what I don't want to do. Yeah. You know, I want to enjoy it for a little bit, soap up, and then it's more about change than add. Yeah. I would bit. say that, yeah. Because I don't think, I mean, eight is already a good amount of shit. Yeah. You know, and even if I was going to, like, add something, I'd probably take something out. So yeah. it'd be like swapping. Totally. Because at a certain point, it just gets ridiculous. It's yeah. like, all right, 17 habits every day. <laughs> it's like half your day. All right, cool. Um, We'll go to Sean Wilton. What do you think of the fitness industry at the present time? Do you get sick of seeing the misinformation that is spread by influencers? You got to define that. How do you stay in your own lane with life training business when it's easy to be enticed with the shiny new thing or plan or Mm. business opportunity? Um, So there's, there's a few ways I would answer this question. I'm the type of person that actually doesn't get annoyed of those things because it, it just creates more opportunity for me and for our company. So I think, there is a lot of people who get really pissed and worked up and they say like, that's, that's what drives me is all this misinformation and I'm motivated to fucking bust the myths and all that. And that's great. Like, that's awesome. Um, I think it's funny. Like I laugh, I, I feel bad for people who fall for it, but I also know that the people who fall for it once come to us afterwards. Right. And I can't save them from falling for it the first time. Every single person who tries to lose weight is more than likely going to, 99% of the time, they're going to fall for some stupid shit first that seems to be quicker, faster, or cheaper. And I should say quicker requires less time, commitment, so it's not as long, and it's cheaper. There you go. Right? It's just more convenient. It's easier. It doesn't take as hard of work. Yeah. Or as much investment, energy, time, money. Um Everybody's going to do that at least once. I did it. We all did it, right? Yeah. And it's just human nature. You go to the easy fucking thing. But once they do that and then they see a lack of progress or they fall off or they gain the weight back or anything like that, they come to us. And that's where we step in and do what we do. So all these influencers selling false information really just create more opportunity for myself and my coaches to do what we do best. Yeah. 
period, you know? Totally. So I don't get annoyed of that at all. Um, it just kind of gives me direction of what I have to educate people on. And then as far as the shiny object thing, like from a fitness perspective, it just doesn't phase me because once you're well-educated in science, you, you can just, you have a bullshit detector that is like constantly going off. So if I see something that's like a new method for training or nutrition, I don't really jump at it because like, if it doesn't immediately check off all these boxes of scientific evidence that I know have to be there, like that's like something coming out and it's claiming to uh, defy caloric balance. Right away, I'm like, I don't give a shit what science has come out so far. Give me 10 more studies over the next five years and I'll consider it because I, the, the energy balance equation, calories in versus calories out, has been so well documented in, in research over time that you can't defy thermodynamics. It's like defying gravity. You, yeah. just, you just can't. So, you know, and there's certain things that like have come out that have like not defied it, but have changed the way we look at it, like chrononutrition. And it, that came out and I was like, huh, I'm not going to try it, but I'm going to look at it. Then another study and then another study. And then I was like, okay, I will use this with clients because multiple studies are coming out and it's proven to do what it's saying to do. It doesn't change caloric balance. It just optimizes how that looks for you, totally. which changes how, like how many, like essentially it, it is a path to being able to eat more food while losing weight. So energy balance is still there, but like you're using it in a different way that we didn't think was possible, right? Just through meal timing. And it took a lot of research to come out for me to like really start to look at that and use it with clients and it's working, but I don't use it with everybody. But once you have enough scientific evidence in your brain and education, it's just really hard to, to even see anything and have that shiny object syndrome. Now for business, it's very fucking hard for me because I always have fucking ideas and I'm and I want to create. Yeah. I've read the one thing at least three times now, maybe four. And that is like going back to that is always like when I find myself in a pattern of trying to find new ideas too frequently, I literally pick that book up because it reminds me like I have my one thing. And the other piece of that is, is some advice that I heard from much, much older entrepreneurs that are much more, more successful in the fact that you have to create um, like almost like a maximum levels of success in your one thing before you can create thing two, thing three, thing four, and expect those to be successful while this one maintains its success, right? People, there's a lot of people that look at, I mean, yeah, especially young coaches that look at tailored coaching and it is like something they're striving for and they're striving to be like, and I fucking love that. It's super cool. And sometimes it, it like puts a pep in my step and it motivates me and it makes me feel bigger than we are. But in the grand scheme of things, we're tiny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we are a large company, relatively speaking, but like I also study companies that aren't in this industry that would, that like we're a fucking ant. Blow us out of the water. Yeah. We're, we're literally a fly on the wall. So like not, not even just from a size perspective though, but from like a time perspective, Mm. you know what I mean? Like somebody, the same people said on the podcast, like if you're within five years of business, you're actually still in infancy, right? Once you get past 10 years, you're like, you're like a, like a (laughs) preteen, you know, you're like a teenager maybe. Um, 20 years, you're, you're mature, you're an adult. And it's like, damn, we're four years in. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So have we grown a ton in four years? Absolutely. I've been doing this for we're 10, toddler. <laughs> but we're a toddler. Yeah. Maybe uh, almost. I'd yeah, say once we get toddler. five, we're yeah. a toddler, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. which puts it into a different perspective for you. You know? So I think like for me too, some of my ideas, it's like, I have ideas about things and I'm like, there's some urgency to me. Cause I'm like, somebody else could think of this. It's not, it's not a thing yet. It's not out there so somebody could take this have this idea and blow it up and it could be successful and I'd be kicking myself because I didn't do it but I'm not willing to risk the growth of this company for that right it's why I don't do anything else it's why like I've had people reach out to me for mentorship and I say no even though it's a good money maker but it doesn't line up with what my one thing is and we're heading in a direction and we're putting people in the right positions and building the right systems and we're trying to take over this area first and be the best at this and I can't be even good at anything else until there's mastery here and we're just I mean mastery takes a long time yeah so um it's hard if you if you're an entrepreneur it's just in your blood to think of shit and want to do them but I think that if you can remind yourself about this whole one I one thing concept and just remember it's a long game you know if I retire when it's like like socially acceptable and correct man I got what uh 30 what is that? 38 years. Left. I'm 65. 65 is oh, the age yeah, that you yeah, can yeah. retire. I got 38 years. 
Yeah. That's plenty of time to create some other shit. Where, where did you come up with a 65? 65 is the, the age when you can retire without getting penalized. So if you pull your retirement before age 65, you get taxed on um, everything and out the ass and you pay fines and it's just like if you retire or if you pull your retirement if you pull your retirement oh, okay. but i mean if you if you don't pull your retirement you ain't get no money you know unless you have enough money stashed that you can last exactly so there's yeah. people that you know maybe they stop working at 55 because they have enough cash saved to last them a decade before they pull their retirement. Gotcha. of course um and there's people i know somebody who who is retiring extremely early yeah. because of something similar to that you yeah. know um and that's where, like, if you're smart, you're doing investments and stuff because then it's like, well, they just leave the retirement because I got investments I can pull. Yeah. And you don't get penalized for that. Totally. Um, not that I'm There's one of those people. Ways. I don't know shit about investing. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think just remembering, like, what your main focus is. It, like, Rome wasn't built in, built in a yeah. year or whatever the saying yeah. is, you know? So, yeah. it's like, shit, if I'm trying to build a Coliseum. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. So. All right. Cool. That was the last question for the day. So, that was great. That was um, good. Love answering those questions. We'll keep up going. Probably post again. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are in the group that noticed we didn't answer your question, we will on the next one because yep. we we'll just didn't get through. We'll have more. Yep. Deuces. We'll catch you next time.